Hi, I'm Paul Cheel, and you're listening to the Public Relations Podcast, Smoke Signal. In this episode of Smoke Signal, I continue to take a deep dive into the role of PR in the climate crisis. I'm joined by Belinda Noble, who is president and founder of Comms Declare, an Australian coalition across the communication, marketing, media and advertising sectors united to drive positive climate action. Belinda, I may stop there and say, first of all, thanks for joining me on this episode and let you start off the discussion by telling listeners a bit more about Comms Declare, your members and your mission. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me and for your interest in this subject. So uh, Comms Declare, we have about 360 members now who uh, come from PR, marketing, comms, um, all, all areas of the industry. Um, we have a couple of agencies um, who are members. I think it's about 60 or 80 at last count in that 360. And increasingly, uh, larger agencies are sort of coming around um, on board, but I'd say the majority of our members are smaller um, independent agencies Um, and they have all declared that their work will not support the growth of fossil fuels, high greenhouse gas emissions as business as usual or climate spin or deception. Fantastic and so how did you get involved in Comms Declare? Well, uh, I guess I, um, after Black Summer bushfires, um, and I, I just started up my own little consultancy, and I just thought, look, I've just got to do something about this. I get the the um, the insight was how the PR, you know, industry itself has been involved with fossil fuels, like right right from the get go, and um, that's something I hadn't really looked at before. And I, there's a great podcast, the um, Drilled Podcast, which um, details uh, the the role of, of PR in historically in supporting fossil fuel companies and particularly big oil. And uh, so that that was really the insight. And so I, I wrote an opinion piece um, in the Herald, calling on the PR industry to stop helping fossil fuels, and uh, you know got contacted by a whole bunch of people, and we formed Comms Declare. And so it really feels like this focus on PR sector has taken off over the past year, especially. Uh, To me, it started probably, I guess, around this time last year when Edelman was handed that petition to resign all its fossil fuel clients globally. And more recently, I've seen there's been um, in the US, there's been a congressional hearing uh, into the role of PR firms in, in creating climate change campaigns for big oil. And even a few weeks ago, the UN General Secretary used a speech to call out public relations machine raking in billions to shield the fossil fuel industry from scrutiny. I mean, what do you think has driven this this real focus on the PR sector in particular? Well, um, it's it's been building. So um, around sort of 2006, Greenpeace started looking at greenwashing um, and uh, I think about maybe five years ago, Extinction Rebellion first called on agencies in the UK to stop working with fossil fuels. And, uh, you know, since then, it, it's just grown and grown and grown. So you've got us here and you've got clean creatives um, in the United States, um, also a great agency, um, Futera in the UK, also a really big movement in the Netherlands. 
uh, all sort of working on on this at the moment. So um, our knowledge is growing all the time. Um, our numbers are growing all the time, and I think it um, it it has got quite a lot of momentum now. Um, you, you mentioned Antonio Guterres, the the UN Secretary General. Um, you know that's pretty amazing. He's saying the same things I've been saying. Um, you know, for the last two years and to hear it coming out of his mouth at the UN General Assembly is pretty amazing. But what's also amazing is how many people are actually ignoring him, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> um, and just carrying on with business as usual. So you've quantified the impact of PR in a recent report called the F-List. Can you talk about some of the, the findings from that? Yeah, so we had um, over 230 agencies across PR, creative and media that we know are working with fossil fuels um, around the globe. Um, That's up from 90 in our last survey, so we're finding more all the time. In Australia, um, we've got around 80 agencies on our list that's on our website, and around a third of those roughly, um, you would say, would be PR or lobbyists. Hard to say, you know, exactly because obviously you've got, you know, agencies that do all all manner of, of functions. But uh, so that that's um, the representation of, of PR. Um, PR is less transparent than the creative and media agencies because they don't tend to promote their work. Um, and very, very rarely their clients on their website. So there's, you know, virtually no transparency at all. And uh, the only way we really even find which agencies, PR agencies are working with fossil fuels is through lobbyist registers. That report, I guess, quantified the amount of carbon impact the PR industry is potentially having, right? Yeah. So um, we did look at uh, the, the scope three emissions of some of these agencies. So what we do is we take the clients that we know the agencies have, then we go to the scope one and two emissions data uh, listed by the government for those companies and we add it all up. So what we found was uh, Gra Cosway is uh, the most polluting uh, lobbyist in Australia and their scope three emissions, which is the emissions of their clients, I think is on par with Kenya's. So their, their, their clients include Santos, Glencore and BHP. So if you add their um, emissions together, that's around 5% of Australia's emissions. Yeah, wow. And that's just one agency. What would you say to those, though, who would say, well, you know, either if I turn that business away, someone else will take that business, or it's better to be inside the tent and drive change from within than to be outside of that tent? Okay, so the inside outside the tent one, you know, is is obviously complex. And I start that conversation by looking at what our parameters are. So Look, to remain around 1.5 degrees warming on pre-industrial levels, we need to cut emissions by around half to 70% in the next seven years, right? So how many fossil fuel companies are going to be doing that? And I would say none, (laughs) Um, more than likely, you know, and also, you know, the IPCC has said we need to um, be out of coal by 2030. So, that, that's that's the starting point. Um, if you're working with a company that's not on track to do those things, to cut emissions by at least half um, in the next seven years and or exit coal by 2030, 
then I'm not sure if being in the tent is going to make any difference. You know, if, if they're not doing those things, then um, and don't look like they're going to do those things, um, then I would say, you know, not, not work for them. However, if you do have, you know, a great CEO and a great board um, that really is, um, you know, um, keen on transforming um, a business, then, you know, it does make sense to have, you know, a PR agency or a head of corporate affairs that can be in there and uh, on the inside track and, and, and really helping um, those companies move and communicate their mission. Yeah, it, it, it's a really hard one, the inside or outside track. You know, uh, you know I do know of, of great agencies that are, are working with, with big polluters, but they're more sustainability agencies certainly um, mm. than, um, you know, your, your publicity agencies, if that makes sense. So if you're doing publicity for uh, a big polluter, then um, in, in my mind, that's definitely a no-no. So let's talk a little bit about greenwashing, which you mentioned earlier in this discussion. So in my, my last podcast with Laura Sutherland, she talked about some research from the UK that found almost half of practitioners who were surveyed noticed their clients or organization attempting to greenwash. So that is giving misleading or outright false information about the, the impact the company's having on the environment. It feels like the only way to stop this happening is to call the organizations out on their greenwashing. And and that to me is what from the outside seems to be what Comms Declare is doing. Can you share, you know, some recent examples of, of greenwashing and, and what you see needs to be done to stop that occurring? Yeah, so greenwashing, it's hard to pick one example because it, it is so rife, um, particularly at the, the high level of greenwashing where polluting companies are using, you know, lots of green imagery and co-opting the uh, language of the environment movement um, to promote themselves. But some more uh, specific examples, uh, one is Santos, which is currently being taken to court by um, ACCR, the Australian Centre for Co- Australian Centre for Corporate Responsibility, over alleged greenwashing, uh, particularly in its um, annual report, and that was where Santos said that it was going to reach net zero by 2040, and uh, that court case will test um, whether Santos actually had uh, concrete plans to reach 2040 or not. Um, a complaint that uh, Comms Declare has made with the help of the Environmental Defenders Office is around the Ampol carbon neutral fuel. So um, Ampol has um, an offering to business customers to pay extra for a carbon neutral uh, petrol or diesel. And we have complained about that to um, uh, add standards, saying that that's ridiculous. Um, basically, we say um, they're saying they're offsetting the the emissions from the fuel. Um, we're saying those offsets cannot be proven to actually offset uh, the fuel um, in in its entirety. Um, some of the offsets that Ampol is uh, procuring are from overseas. The things like wood burners in homes in you know various countries, and I just so we just alleged that those offsets can't be proved to be one hundred percent offsetting the petrol. So. We're, um, yeah, we've made a complaint about that, so look forward to um, hearing what um, Ad Standards say about that. That's just two examples. There's so many more. We also made a complaint about uh, Glencore's latest brand campaign, which is titled Advancing Everyday Life. Um, again, uh, they're co-opting all the, um, the imagery of the renewable industries with EVs and windmills and uh, solar panels, etc. 
um, talking about quote-unquote green metals that are essential for renewable technology. Um, but a lot of those materials that Glencore is running does not mention their main um, their main commodity is coal, and they're the world's largest exporter of thermal coal. So we we would consider that to be greenwashing as well. So often, do you see it's it's greenwashing by um, by not telling the whole truth? So that they're, they're, they're kind of leaving out elements of the the facts to paint a very different picture to the reality. Yeah, and I guess it's um you know that that's what. So, so much of communications and, and, and PR and marketing is all about. It's putting your best foot forward. And, uh, you know, I've certainly heard CEOs, and I'm sure you have too, saying we've got to get our message out there. We've got to get all the good things that we're doing um, out into the public. But, you know, when it, when it comes to uh, green claims and particularly, um, you know, emissions, which is, which is so serious and, and the, the, the implications of inaction are, are, are so hideous and almost, you know, can't be contemplated to be leaving out half the picture and, and putting yourself forward as an as a environmentally friendly company um, while you're actually expanding coal production is, um, I would say, yeah, quite, quite misrepresentation of the facts. So do you think it's uh, naivety on the part of PR practitioners? Are they just not asking the right questions? But, it, you know, it really does – the more you think about it, it really is on the PR practitioner to call BS on this, right, to be able to call out the companies and make sure that they are doing the right thing. Yeah, and, I, you know, you can only imagine how difficult that might be if, if you do have – you know, an executive or a CEO that that, that doesn't want to hear. But um, I think, you know, in, in the defence of, of PR, of our industry, what we definitely do need and what I, you know, really hope that uh, companies do is to have very experienced practitioners who will call BS, who do know their stuff and will talk up, you know, in those executive meetings um, where, and, uh, you know, I, I do believe that someone that has experience in a, in a PR function should be um, at the table in the executive of these companies rather than someone who's just going to sort of blindly promote products that, um, that are doing damage. It, it, it's really important to have someone in the C-suite, as they say, who tell people or tell, tell those in power that uh, their messages are not uh, passing the pub test or the, or the um, ethical test. Yeah, I guess the challenge for PR practitioners, especially you know senior PR practitioners in that role, and, and this kind of dawned on me in the last conversation with Laura as well, the role of communications now is getting so big. You know, Throughout the year, I've spoken to many people who've said post-COVID, the role of communications just became ever more important. Uh, there's so many different stakeholders, and now this is another element that they need to deeply understand and be able to advise on, right? Yeah. It's been a big learning curve for me, so I'm only sort of new here. I've only been doing it for about uh, two years, but um, you know, going through the agencies and examining what what's happening in this space, you know, it does require a, a lot of reading. It requires going through people's annual reports and actually comparing what they're saying versus what they're doing. And that's what I, I think PR practitioners um, or any agency that's taking on a, a large greenhouse gas client uh, needs to do because, look, no, no one's perfect and no, I don't think anyone's expecting perfection, but if you're saying you're going to hit net zero, you better, you better have a plan to hit net zero and not just be, 
you know, to be faking it because you will be called out for greenwashing. So if you don't want to be part of the problem as a PR practitioner, you've got to be able to go into the weeds there and and, and check that those um, claims can be backed up. And I guess the other side of this debate is you've done research in the past that shows you know, agency staff want their agency to care more and they want they do not want them to work for fossil fuel clients. So in many ways, in this environment of a war for talent, it's it's an easier decision for agency leaders, right? To be able to say, well, we're gonna put our team first who don't want to do this. Yeah, so um we do an annual survey and we're actually just about to put this year's out into market. So um, got some interesting results. So we found that like 78% of agency bosses think that climate action is important to attract employees, yet 33% of agencies work for fossil fuels. And no, no agency bosses that answered our survey knew the emissions of their high-polluting clients, so their scope three emissions. Um, and only 40% had an understanding of their own emissions from their agency. So there's work to be done there. Um, we also looked at under 30s. Um, we worked very hard to get uh, under 30s to answer our, our survey. And uh, 91% think that climate is the most or one of the most important issues. And uh, 66% wanted their agency to take a stronger stand on climate. So that is definitely our, our message to agencies um, in the in the battle for talent. Um, you have to be ethical, and and certainly some of the sustainable agencies that are members of Coms Declare have told me that you know that they've got people banging down their door wanting to work for them because they want to feel good about about their work, and who doesn't want to do that? So it feels like a really big education curve. You're saying that you know even agency owners don't know the scope three admissions. Like there's there's a lot of kind of learning needs to be done there. Would you say this is our big tobacco moment for contemporary practitioners? Oh, 100%. 100%. And we, we say that all the time. We say um, fossil fuels are the new tobacco. And, you know, it would have been, it's it's inconceivable for people to promote tobacco now in Australia. But 40 years ago, that wasn't the case. And uh, certainly in, I think, 10 years or so, someone that works in fossil fuels or has worked in fossil fuels um, will we'll, we'll find it difficult um, to admit that in a, in a social situation. <laughs> uh, and so what's the end game for Comms Declare? How will you know if you've succeeded? Comms Declare wants the Marcoms function to be respected and trusted. Um, we want people's talents to be used to promote solutions that make the world a better place. Uh, we, we love this industry. Uh, we love comms. We just don't love climate polluters. Our end game, I guess, is to make fossil fuels as as socially unacceptable as tobacco. We used to joke that, you know, we'll know we've done our job when the Mineral Councils of Australia is forced to use Canva because no agencies will take them on. But uh, (laughs) we're already um, making great inroads. The fact that, you know, a lot of the industry publications are publishing what we say now the fact that we've had a couple of uh, big agencies um, like CHEP and TWA Sustain go public and the fact that they're not repitching for fossil fuel clients. I think, uh, you know, as long as we keep up the momentum in a, in a positive way, then we would have done, been, you know, done our job. Thank you so much, Belinda, for your time. It's, it's great to see your passion 
uh, for this endeavor. And, and it certainly feels like we're at a tipping point where the role of PR is really under the microscope. And I think it's incumbent on all practitioners to educate themselves and to understand the clients that they're working for. So we'll certainly include a link to the Comms Declare website and the F list as a starting point for practitioners to, to think about that from their own individual perspective. So good luck on the uh, future campaigns that you run. Thank you. And, and thanks for highlighting as well. I am Paul Cheel, and you've been listening to Smoke Signal. Thank you for listening. And as always, remember to rate Smoke Signal on iTunes or subscribe via the blog. Just search Smoke Signal Podcast.